So here we go. Against the grain, going the most difficult way possible. So we have this nice uh, illustration up there at one time of these little fishes, and they're all going this way. But then there's this one fish. You know where he's going? He going, he going this way. He going, he going, well, he's going this way, and they're going this way. He going upstream. He's going against the way. He's going against everything that the world is telling him to do. And so, guys, for us as Christians, for us as believers, like there is a way to live that comes naturally for us. And it's sinful, and it's not holy, and it's not pleasing to the Lord. And so what God has called us to do is live a life different from what the world is doing. He's calling us to live something completely different than what the world says is okay, what the world says is cool, what the world says is acceptable. Okay, so last week we studied the life of Moses, love the life of Moses. This week we are going to study the life of David. Now let me ask you, if I say the name David in the Bible, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Goliath. I hear Goliath. I heard King. Both very, very good. And we we have David Moore there. Very nice. Okay, so most of the time when we think of David, we kind of think of David and Goliath, right? We think think of this term, and it's this awesome story. Don't get me wrong, and we're going to study that tonight. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where we're going to be tonight. But but to kind of give us a picture of who David is, okay, David is an awesome, awesome guy. Gentlemen in the room, like if there is anybody in the world who has ever walked this world that you should study his life, that you should follow in his footsteps, it should be King David. Yes, he made some bad choices, he made some bad decisions, but at the end of the day, he was still somebody who's classified as being a man after God's own heart. A man who followed the Lord, a man who trusted in the Lord, a man who worshiped the Lord. Okay, and so we meet King David, and we're kind of like introduced to some of his qualities. 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning of verse 18. It says this, it says, One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. You look at some, excuse me, you look at some of those like definitions, some of those descriptions about David. Man, he, he plays skillfully. Man, he got mad skills. He got lots of skills. Guys, you look at the book of Psalms, he wrote like all of those Psalms. He played the lyre skillfully. He could play and like soothe and put kings to sleep. He had skill. He had crazy like, uh, not bow and arrow, slingshot skills. He had crazy shepherding. He had crazy governing skills. He had lots of crazy skills. He's a man of valor. He's a man of honor and righteousness. He's a man of war at the same time. Like, yes, he's this guy that's playing the lute and playing the lyre like really nice. But at the same time, like we're going to see in this story in David and Goliath, he is a crazy man. And we like that, okay? It says all these things. He said he's a man of good presence. He's a guy that people like being around. Like, th- does this not sound like somebody that men we want to be friends with, ladies we want to be friends with, that we, we all want to be around this guy, like King David. And so King David lived a life that we should try and honor, that we should try and model and everything. And so we see this really awesome moment in David's life that we, we, we refer to a lot in sporting events. We refer to a lot come March in basketball season that it's a David and Goliath story, right? And what that means is that you've got like this underdog, this, this low, you know, tiny school, and then you've got this big, mighty giant, okay? Y'all know, Bryce, cover your ears, man. I want you to hear this. It brings up some bad memories. Y'all know how I love Kentucky basketball. And this year, the two seed, we lost to the 15 seed. That's a David and Goliath story, and that's all we're going to talk about it tonight, Okay. But so some of y'all know I played football in college, and when I played, where I played, the division I played, it's a lot of like Division One 
I don't, I don't mean this like derogatorily or anything mean. It's like a lot of Division I dropouts that maybe like grades, maybe behavioral issues. And so they're kicked out of their program here, and they, they come down here to this level at the NAIA level, okay? And so there is a time that Hunter is playing against Kentucky Christian University, okay? And lined up across from me is a guy who played his freshman year of football at the University of Georgia, okay? Now understand this. This is not like the superpower Georgia that we know now. This is the, you know, treading water Mark Rick years, okay? Scott, you know what I'm talking about, all right? But nevertheless, okay, again, we have established very, very clearly I'm basically the size of a hobbit, okay? I'm not a Division I football player. And, and man, I got up there and I said, you know what? This is my day. This is where I'm going to prove all the doubters wrong. I'm going to give it my best, coach. And man, like, can I tell y'all what happened in that game? Guess what happened in that game? I got my tail whooped for 60 minutes. Like, there, there was no hope. It was no nothing. So, so that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the good story, the good David and Glass story. And to tell it, guys, sometimes when we tell these stories that we're very familiar with, we like to do it in a little creative way. So what I have over here, if you guys will just, I don't want to, like, mess with anything. So um, for those of you who might not know what this is, um, this is what's called a flannel graph, okay? Now, listen to me. The flannel graph is an ancient piece of Southern Baptist lore, okay? This, at the time, for, like, your grandparents, was, like, when, when this came out on the market, it was, like, equivalent to the iPhone 14. Like, this is the most amazing, yes, Pastor Kevin, this is the most amazing thing possible, okay? And so, to tell our story, we're going to kind of walk through, and what, how, it, how you would use the flannel graph is that you would take Bible characters, David, Okay, and you would take him, and on the back of this is Velcro, and, and this, is, this is flannel, and, and now look at how this works. Like, David, it's not going, it's not going down. Y'all clap for that. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. Y'all, the WMU was built upon this rock. I'm telling you, it was awesome. So, so kind of walk through this story of David and Goliath in kind of a creative way for us. Because if I were to ask you to tell me the story of David and Goliath, chances are you could probably tell me everything about it, right? You give me all the little details, you could tell me. You could maybe even tell me about a talking asparagus who fought a giant pickle, right? For my, for my, yes, for my veggie tail crew here. Some of us know these things. Yes, my people. That's what I'm talking about. But guys, what I want us to encourage, I want us to look at this story in a different way maybe than we've never looked at it before, okay? Because there's sometimes when we read the Bible that we tend to try and read ourselves as the hero of the story, right? And, and that's just typical. We, we want to be the good guy. We want to be the guy coming in on the white horse at the end to save the day. Sometimes, maybe. But, but what I want us to see here is I want us to read this story, maybe like take that thought out for a second. Because there's sometimes that we can read stories and we can get different conclusions to it. Like, let's say we read the tortoise and the hare, right? And kind of the, the summary of the tortoise and the hare is you're looking at the tortoise and he's just slow and steady, does what? Slow and steady wins the race, right? Now, we can read that, but at the same time, we can read that on behalf of the hare and be like, hey, don't be lazy, you idiot, okay? So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take, a lot of times we read ourselves as David in this story and think, hey, God's on my side, I will fight my giants, and I will win. And there's, there's some truth to that. But what I want us to see tonight is that David is the champion of our story, and David is going to be the one who's going to bring rescue, bring salvation at the end of the day. And we're going to see how that ties into somebody else that we know in Scripture. But starting out, 
in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verses 1 through 3, it says this. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes Demim. Maybe. I don't know. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So basically, set up the story, Israel is at war with Philistine, with the Philistines. This is not new concept. Israel's been at war a lot of times. Israel is at war with the Philistines, but there's something different about this particular army. Who here remembers the, dare I say, large presence who stood in the way of David and the Israelites? Starts with the G. What's that? Goliath. Very nice. So, so what we need now on our, on our flannel graph is we need Goliath, right? So let's find Goliath. Bum, bum, bum. You know what? I actually don't have a sticker. I'll get something really great for Goliath just real quick. Uh, because Goliath's big, right? So here's Goliath for us for just a second, okay? Y'all don't even understand. I've been trying so hard to find a good reason to bring this up in a message, and we finally have it. So this is Goliath. And the Bible says he's big, he's strong, he's mighty, he's mean. You know, it, the Bible goes through and it tells us all about his, you know, this, this lovely puffy vest, okay? His, his, his breastplate, his armor, his spear, all these things. And what Goliath is doing is he's standing out and he is calling out to the Israelites and he's challenging somebody to come fight him. Okay, now for this to really take root, we need to understand a little bit about ancient war, okay? Now how this could work sometimes is, instead of two like giant armies just fighting it out, sometimes what you would do is this side would elect a champion, this side would elect a champion, they would go one-on-one, mano-a-mano, and the winner of that would win the battle for the entire group. That way you didn't lose your entire army. To put it in a little bit deeper perspective, so let's say that we were wagering if we liked the Autumn Spice Chick-fil-A milkshake, or we didn't. So the pro-Autumn Spice people was going to be Team Schuyler. The anti-Autumn Spice milkshake people was going to be Team Morgan. Team Morgan wins. And so by this logic, everybody here, now we hate the Autumn Spice milkshake, right? So that's what happens with Goliath. And he's sitting here, and and he's calling out. He's saying, come fight me. Somebody, come and fight me. I dare you. Cross this line. Do something. Get these hands. And it says in verse 11 that Saul, the Israelites, everybody, let's, let's get Saul up there, very kingly. Ooh, Saul, right? Uh, so Saul, he, and he's, he's really sad and he's really scared, so we're going to put him down like halfway. So Saul is scared, right? All of Israel is scared. Nobody wants to fight Goliath. Cut to later on in the story, now we see David, and where is David? He's out taking care of his sheep, right? Look at him. So David's out in the field. He's out taking care of his sheep. And David's dad comes to him and said, David, here's what I need you to do. I need you, I packed up a nice sack lunch. I packed up some, you know, we ordered out, we catered out Chick-fil-A. We packed up all this stuff. Skylar walked in and was like, what is happening? We packed up all this nice stuff. I want you to take it out to your brothers. Now your brothers, now for me personally, this is like Backstreet Boys, but y'all are like One Direction people, right? Okay. So, So David here is going to take all this food over here to his brothers, and he's going to feed them, and everything's going to be nice. And while David's there, then he starts hearing Goliath be like, hey, somebody come fight me. I dare you. 
And David is sitting here, he's like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Is somebody going to step up and fight this dude? Saul, the brothers, the army of Israel, everybody, nobody's going to take, David, take Goliath up on this offer. Nobody's going to take him up on this. So David brings food, and then what happens next? David volunteers to fight Goliath. 17, verses 24 through 27. It says this, All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, when they saw Goliath, they fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. So it shall be done to the man who kills him. Drop down to verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Stop right there. David is not even enlisted in the army. David is like as low, as low, as low as you can get. Earlier on when we meet David, like Jesse, his dad, wheels out all of his sons, big, rugged, handsome sons. These are going to be the next king of Israel. And David is the one that's left. He's small, he's petite, he's tiny. Maybe he's five foot nine and stocky and bearded. I don't know. But, but David is that guy. And David stands up and he says, I will fight the giant. I will fight Goliath. When everybody else is fearful and everybody else is scared, David says, I'm going to take it on. And so David volunteers to fight. Saul tries to tell him not to. David insists, and he says, look, Saul, I am the single most qualified person here to fight this giant. Look with me in verse 34. It says this, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took the lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by the beard, I struck him, and I killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So here's what David is doing while he's out watching his sheep. He's not playing his harp and singing hymns. Man, he is out busting noggins of lions and bears and people like that, okay? And sometimes, like, he's just, he's even pursuing them and, like, killing them with his bare hands. David said, I am the single most qualified individual to fight this giant, pun intended. And so David goes, and he fights the giant, and, and we know the end of the story, right? Verse 41, it says this, And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. So Goliath talking smack, flip side, David talks smack back. Verse 45, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down. I will cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and with spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. 
When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and slung it, and struck the Philistine in his forehead. The stone sank in his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground, and he died. So, get that out of the way. Yes, but David wins, right? Y'all, not only does David win, David absolutely like conquers Goliath. Like David even goes later on a few verses, takes Goliath's giant sword, cuts off Goliath's head. Okay, can you imagine David going back home to meet mom and dad, mom meeting him, hey honey, how was your day? It was great, thud, and like drops a dismembered giant head on the table. Like I, I, don't, I don't know why, but knowing David in scripture, that's what he does and you can't tell me otherwise. But, but uh, maybe, but, but all that to say, okay, let's look at this, okay? We said we're not going to look at ourselves as David in this story. Because we read this book and we read this story and we say, hey, I'm David, God's on my side, and I'm going to fight the giants. And I pray to God and I'll win football games and I'll win and fill in the blank, all this stuff, okay? And I said, there's some truth to that. But guys, what this story shows us is this story shows us a God who loves us enough to fight the battles for us. Okay, so, so let's go back in just in time for a little bit. So had David not showed up, let's say David doesn't show up at all, okay? Whose responsibility is it now to fight Goliath? It, it's going to be one of these guys, right? One of Saul, one of the brothers, one of these people, right? These people who are scared, who are fearful, who are trembling, okay? Now let me ask you a question. Do you think if one of these guys were to take up and fight Goliath, do you think they would win? Probably not. Probably not, right? Now, what is the wages if they lose this battle against Goliath? They're in slavery to the Philistines forever and ever and ever. But what happens instead is that David comes and he fights a battle. Remember, he's not a part of this army. He fights a battle that is not his to fight. But he fights it on behalf of his brothers. He fights it on behalf of his king. He fights it on behalf of his people. And what he does is he wins the day. And when he wins the day, what he has done is he has now won freedom. He has now won victory. He has now won salvation. He has now won freedom of slavery for all of his people, okay? Now let me ask you a question. Does that sound like any other story in Scripture that you can think of? That there is a, there is a person who came to fight a battle who is not his to fight that would earn all of us freedom and salvation. What? It sounds a lot like the story of Jesus, does it not? And so, guys, I want you to think about this for a second. We serve a great, I mean, not him personally, we serve a great God who looked at us as we were staring face eye to eye with the giants of this life and sent his son to die on the cross for us, sent his son to live a righteous, perfect life, to die on the cross for us, that we might be saved, so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be made free. Guys, listen, life is hard. We know that, right? Listen to me. Eyes and ears here real quick. Y'all, life is hard. And you will face some difficult giants in your life. Some of you are facing difficult giants in your life right now. There might be giants of fear. There might be giants of anxiety. There might be giants of depression. There might be giants of worry. There might be giants of doubt. There might be giants of all these things. There might be giants of just fear of what tomorrow holds. There's not a giant that you will face in this life who can stand against the power of our Jesus. 
There's not a giant you will face in this life who is stronger than the God that we serve. There's not a giant you will face in this life who can conquer our God. Because what God did is he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins to win the victory once and for all. David came, he fought Goliath, and he killed, a, he killed a giant to win salvation and freedom for his people. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, killed, Seth, killed sin, destroyed sin once and for all. Sorry. To earn salvation for the world, guys. Now listen to me here. Eyes and ears here again, real quick. The question is, is do you want that freedom? Because that freedom is going to be found in a relationship with Jesus. Because how silly would it have been at the time? Okay, David comes, he slays Goliath, the Philistines run off, the Philistines flee in terror. If, if all these brothers sit here and chase after Goliath and the Philistines say, I would much rather be in slavery. That's dumb. And guys, listen to me. Without Jesus in your life, that's exactly what we're doing is we are willingly submitting to slavery and we are willingly submitting to the weight of this world when a relationship with Jesus, when following Jesus, when trusting Jesus can earn us freedom, can earn us salvation, can earn us peace, can earn us a life unlike anything else you could ever dream. So guys, I want to ask you real quick, where are you in this story? Because all of us here, we're just like these brothers, and we are, we are here. But, but where are you going? Are you going to accept freedom and salvation? Or are you going to chase after a world that's going to leave you broken, hurting, and exhausted? Because you can have salvation. You can have freedom. Guys, the giants that you face in this life, do not have to rule over you, do not have to control you, do not have to own you anymore. Guys, if that's you here tonight, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to encourage you to talk to your small group leader. I want to encourage you to talk to a friend. I want to encourage you to, I will, I will be around. But if you do not know what it's like to have freedom, if you do not know what it's like to have salvation, guys, let tonight be that night. Because there is a great God who sent his son to fight the battle for us so that we might be saved and we might be free. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for um, just this sheet of flannel that has taught us your goodness and your love, Lord. God, we thank you that you loved us enough to send your son to die for us. And God, I pray for those that are here tonight. God, some of them that I know by name that might not be in a relationship with you. That, God, tomorrow is a question mark for them. God, that the day after tomorrow is a question mark for them. Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt who our King is, who our Lord is, where our eternity lies, where our hope lies, and, God, that it would be rested in your hands based on the decisions that are made tonight. God, I love our small group leaders. I am so grateful for them. I pray that you would bless conversations, give them wisdom to answer questions, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you love us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.